This is David Nett from Gold the Series, and you're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. The following program may be explicit. And he's a laser-printed hero, a figure cast of lead. And if you miss a dice roll, he may just end up dead. Don't forget about his backstory, both family and foe. And if this is his last stand, that's just how the story goes. You're listening to Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, pursuing the RPG hobby with reckless abandon and beer. Yeah, got the rhythm and the rhyme flowing, get your feet and your booty going, but it's a little too hip for this impending nerd blast that is Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. Thank you for joining us for Season 12, Episode 18 of Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Tyler. This is Stork. And I'm Kimmy. And uh, there's really nothing to plug yet right now, is there? The next convention is, in, like, what, February con? Right around the corner, though, That's right? Coming up. Well, you know, I guess... No. Right around the corner, like, of the year, maybe? Well, <laughs> but see, last time the convention snuck up on us, we were like, oh, we got plenty of time, and then it was, like, there. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell? That does happen. They do do that. I don't know when that is yet. Should I look it up? I don't know. Nah. It's nah. Next, next weekend in February. There you go. All right. Uh, Not hard. Google it. If you'd like to listen to the show live, you can listen at uh, happyjacks.org, happyjacks.org slash live. And we record on Friday nights at 8.30 p.m. Pacific time, which more, is... Uh, more or less. Something else GMT. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so we're you know what? GMT minus 8. <laughs> so, uh, so what's 16.30. That? 16.30. Wow. Because outside of the U.S., they use 24-hour time. They do? Yeah, that's fucked up. No way. Twenty-four hour time is so much easier than twelve. I gotta hours. do math if I want to find out what time it is. Well, no. If you just know it, though, you don't. It's it's kind of like the tw- If the number is higher than twelve, subtract twelve. If you can't subtract twelve from any, I don't. I don't give do a number 12s. between twelve and twenty-four. Twelve, 12 suck. See, our time clock at work is twenty-four hours. Mm-hmm. So I learned to read that because I do all the time work. I had a watch once that was stuck that way. I never figured out. Cause <laughs> so I actually you were, ended you were up having to learn. Golden it. until noon. I was. It was late to everything after class ended. All right. Uh, and you can email the show at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, happyjacksrpg, all one word. We're also on the Google Pluses and on Facebook. And uh, there's a. Isn't there a whatchamacallit? The Google Plus? The Google camera Google. thing with the pictures. The Instagram? Instagram. There's an Instagram too. There's a Happy Jack's Instagram? Is yeah. I think the, there is. Yeah, yeah, there's a Happy Jack's Instagram. We should start doing vines. Oh, no, we've talked about that. I think we decided that was not a great idea. <laughs> so it takes I think 12 you seconds decided to get the it wasn't a great idea. <laughs> uh, I think that's about it. So, yeah, if you want to listen to the show, you can go to the chat room. I don't have the chat room up yet. Is there anyone in there? Are you, I, I don't know who yeah, you're asking. You're the one with the computer. I'm asking, I'm asking Kimmy, because I, I figured she might be looking at you're it. You're so typing all caps. Yes. I was just looking to see if the Instagram's there. Okay, all right. Well, I'll, I'll check the chat room right now. I'm going to drink the one soda that's in your fridge. You can, I have diets in the house. Oh, there's a lot of people in the chat room. Hey, yeah, hello, chat room. It's filled, it's filled back up. Well, welcome back, guys. Uh, I, you know what? Our forum seems to have a lot of traffic on it, and it's nice to see people in the chat room. So yeah. Maybe yeah. taking a break. I almost posted in the forum today. Yeah. Really? You haven't posted uh, in a long time. I haven't. But Kimmy posted like two weeks ago or something. Yeah. It's like, yay! 
I was I was <laughs> gonna post. I was sp- specifically gonna post in the GURPS forum because I'm gonna have to learn GURPS for this new game I'm gonna run. The GURPS. We, we learn the GURPS. It is the GURPS. I'm a I'm a GURPS convert. I I really like it. The uh, by the way the Q and A thing is op- is up. If you want to comment on anything we're talking about, I'll try to watch that. So. If you want to put something up that you want us to read on the air, oh, I should have said that. Yep, <laughs> there it goes. God damn it! Well, right. we're going to be talking about the groups, I think. Uh, well, so uh, I, you're I played. Be very an, I played it at the last con. I played in a game that was, it was okay, but what really caught me about it for groups was that the dude had like 150 characters from all the groups games he's run over the years, from various genres and settings. That oh, that's awesome. It worked really well. Individually, but as a group, we didn't work so well together. Ah. Bill's character was obviously overpowered because it was a Jedi. Oh. And my character was obviously underpowered because I was playing a Hufflepuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> were the point with the point levels? Yeah, point levels were similar. You still had a wand that could do like yeah. anything. Well, the thing is, none, none of that was laid out. So I just kind of bullshitted my way through the whole game with my personal knowledge. Oh, you didn't have a spell list? No, I didn't have a spell list. You didn't give you a spell list? Nope. That's fucked up. Yeah. Yeah, see, that that's what it was. I was like, mm, I, I'm going to cast this. He goes, all right, roll this. And I roll. I just rolled a bunch of dice Three and dice. said, I succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> and that worked? It totally... I just spilled soda. Damn it. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, it totally worked because... Um, he was so focused. Everybody, it was just chaos. There was no order to the game. Okay. So everybody was kind of just shouting out what they did. <laughs> I was like, whatever. <laughs> All right. A potential rage quit from Joel in Sweden. I put this to the front of the line. Is this a topic, or is this it's, just sort of something you're talking about? Yeah, it's kind of a topic, because it, it, it brings up an idea. It's kind of an idea. Yeah, I'm looking at the notes. We have this kind of a topicless. <clears throat> No, it, it, well, there's actually there was there have been three. Those emails are all still there. We could talk about any one of them for probably a half hour. No, us? Yeah. No. So <laughs> right, I'm skipping the friendly greeting because right now I'm really pissed off of he says, but I means off at you. I like um, pissed of at you. I'm pissed of. I'm at pissed you. of at you. Uh, Reagan Avalon here, aka Joel from Sweden, still going through the backlog and came up on something that angered me. I'm going to start with the cause of my rage. In Season 11, Episode 3, you received an email from a listener who had high demands on his players he was looking for. While I agree... Wow. I see, I used my dude, cough drop. Dude, that sounded that sounded totally like like the T Rex from uh from, from I know from it, Jurassic uh, Park. It's got like it, this like glottal thing kinda, going it on. It kinda smells like it too. <laughs> I think one of my four stomachs just regurgitated some dead meat. <laughs> Sorry. Um, while I agree that uh, he had way too high demands, but that is not what I have a problem with. The following is an outtake from the episode in which I have, which is what I have a problem with. Now he had it there, but I went actually went and big, looked. Big shock! It's something with Stork said. Yeah, I know. Well, no, but I agreed with it too. Um, I actually found. You won't find this in this episode, because I either the computer crashed or I bumped something and stopped recording. Mm. Hmm. However, it was on the YouTube version of it, oh. so I I went through damn near the whole episode, the MP3 file that gets sent out as the podcast, trying to find this thing, and it's not there. 
I can see where we're talking kind of about that, but none of these words showed up. So I'm like, you know what? I wonder, because I heard an edit mm-hmm. in, the, in it, and I'm like, I bet you. And I went back, and sure enough, at the time marker he gave me, I found it. So I was able to pull that off. So I'm going to actually play Ooh, the conversation nice. that we had. Multimedia. Up to that, basically kind of starting close to where he was, and then going on a little You're further. giving me enough rope to hang myself, aren't you? No, you actually kind of redeem yourself, I think. Okay. But let me let me just play that. Are you running this game so that you as a GM will have fun? Or are you running it to have so make sure the players have fun? Because the two can be mutually exclusive. They often are mutually exclusive. And I, I think that uh, perhaps perhaps I'm wrong, but, but, but you could try this. If you let your players have fun, if you're entertaining your players, you will have fun through them. It's a feedback loop that we go through. Oh, absolutely. When your players start yeah, to get yeah. excited about something, then you get excited about absolutely. your players something. But you're not, you're not forcing them. That's the that's the performer's heroine. That's it is. And and when we get up on stage, we don't hate the audience for not laughing. When we come off, we say to ourselves, "Geez, that shows." What did I do? What did we do wrong? What can we do to fix that? All right. So there, there's the, the, what he put up there, plus a little more. Uh, following this, you talked about the how the GM should make the game for the players, which I agree with, and prioritize that over. Uh, the GM's fun, which I don't agree with. You made analogies to the poxy boggards and how you prioritize the enjoyment of the audience. That analogy does not work, though, as you are paid for the performance, and it's a bit like work. Uh, to put put it like this, I won't GM, GM if I'm not having fun, because I want to have fun on my off time. This, is, this does not mean that I'm not trying to make sure that the players are enjoying themselves, it is the fact that I prioritize the player's enjoyment as much as I prioritize my own enjoyment. This is getting rambly. My point is that you talked as if being a GM is a job and not something that the GM is to enjoy as much as the players. As if the GM is supposed to get enjoyment from the players enjoying the game rather than from the game itself. That's kind of what I want to talk about. Yeah. Because I don't agree with him. You don't agree that the GM should enjoy the game as much as the players? I don't think that the GM's enjoyment of the game is more important or equally important to the players. I think the GM's the GM's enjoyment of the game... I think the, one is the, dependent on the other. Uh, it may be. It may be. But uh, the simple act of coming up with a game and running a game, to me... Coming up with a game is a fun part. Running the game, the act of running the game, to me, meh, it's not that fun. What makes it fun is when the players enjoy it. I do not derive fun from running a game if the players are not enjoying it. For, In other words, I won't have fun just running a game if the players aren't into it. So okay. my own enjoyment is so 100%. In your, in your Venn diagram of... Of player enjoyment and GM enjoyment, the GM enjoyment circle is completely inside the player enjoyment circle. Except for game prep, yes. Yeah, when it comes to actually sitting at the table running the game, absolutely. I do not see how... The GM's enjoyment of the game is 100% dependent on the player's enjoyment. If they're not and you're enjoying yourself, you're probably not a good GM. Well, and I I think part of that is also your personality as well. Like, there's definitely people who... Get enjoyment from, and I'm, I mean, I definitely derive enjoyment from uh, my players enjoying the game, but I also derive enjoyment from throwing them off. 
from catching them off guard. Like, getting big reactions from them. Usually positive reactions, but also sometimes, like, throwing an awful situation in front of them and having them sit there and go, oh, shit. Right, but all those things you do so the players enjoy themselves. Right. So the players yeah. get immersed in a game and have fun. And then from that, you draw your enjoyment. You're like, we're like, GMs are like enjoyment vampires. Well, yes. <laughs> well, let me ask you this, though. Exactly, yeah. Is it other times when jamming is a lot of hard work, like yeah. going to a job, yeah. and it isn't fun? Yes. But you no. do it anyway? Yeah. Why? Because th- there are those moments when it is fun, and it's it's worth getting through. There are times when it is, it, it is chore-like. Well, like, it like for example, like 30% of con games. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, That's not 30%. fair. I wouldn't say 30%. <laughs> Thirty uh, percent of con games, maybe you're playing in. <laughs> maybe. I don't know. You, you have terrible luck with con games. I have <laughs> awful luck with con yeah. games. But I mean, I, I don't. I mean, there are times like like even in the L five R game when it gets to the point where it's like, okay, well, I'm not not sure really what's going on. Or if I've if I've already kind of figured out what's going to happen, and you guys are going in that direction, and it's very clear to me that I'm not going to get thrown any surprises. It's not unfun. I'm not having a miserable time doing it. The fun is derived when you guys go, "Oh, fuck it, it's that guy again," or whatever the whatever the reaction is. The enjoyment I get from the game, for the most part, is the prep. That just tells me that when we play L5R, we need to do the exact opposite of what you tell us is the right thing to do. <laughs> well, we've done. Like, All right, go to this this land. All right, let's go the other direction. Well, that's no, let's get on a do. boat. We already <laughs> have. We yeah. already have. You have. I mean, it, it does ring true in a way that being a GM is a lot of work. Sure. Um, there's a lot of bookkeeping, a lot of research, a lot of organizing time, buying snacks, getting everything together. I mean, there's a lot of work, and the players just show up and then derail your story. It, it it can be disheartening sometimes, but I don't think that's what you should expect when you GM. You're, you're, the point is that you want to throw a party, you have this great idea, you've done all this great research, and that you invite people to come into this world that you've created, and then you're doing it together. Well, yeah. I mean, it's it, not like you're throwing a party and then you kick everybody out because they're not, you know. No, I, and and that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I would stand by it, and I, I would love to argue with someone who disagrees that <laughs> that the GM's enjoyment of the game, of the actual act of running the game, must be derived from the player's enjoyment. I don't see wh- where there is anything else. I, I think if you where enjoy the- running a game, players aren't. You're right. If you enjoy running a game that the players aren't having fun with, you're a shitty GM. Something's wrong, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Or say like you're a highly I, adversarial GM and you're winning, right, exactly. and they're not succeeding or having a chance to succeed. Right. Yeah. It's like when I throw a party and it's like, okay, we're gonna be barbecuing, and I, I don't mind sitting in the backyard smoking cigars, drinking beer, and barbecuing. That's all I do all night. Hmm. I'm enjoying myself because the people who are coming to the party are enjoying themselves, and I get to talk with them and visit while I'm sitting there cooking for six hours straight. Right. That's, but I mean, <laughs> the act of me sitting there cooking for six hours straight—fuck that! Well, that's <laughs> not fun. But you know what? But the fact, in the context of that, there's a bunch of guests there, and I get to mingle and talk to people while I'm sitting there over the frickin' barbecue all day. Mm-hmm. That's fun. To add to that analogy, though, then people bring other 
bits and pieces to add to your barbecue. Right. You know, there's tri-tip and vegetables and things show up. You're like, oh, I, wow. Ooh, uh, people bring the beer. beer. And suddenly the, it becomes a the collaborative vegans party. The show up with their meat sludge patties, <laughs> and I put them over in the corner. Sure. So. <laughs> right. And, but Sorry, now, Jeff. Now it's a collaborative <laughs> party. Um, I'm sorry that none of us are going to play the devil's advocate. All right, you don't have to. Yeah. Here. But I you're right. I agree know. with his disagreement of the that the two are mutually exclusive. Yes. But I, I don't think that, that you go into a game going, I'm going to have just as much fun running this as my players are going to have playing it. You go in knowing the players are going to have fun, and that in turn will make me right. have fun. Yeah. When you go in running a game, you think, I hope the players are going to enjoy this. Yeah. Right. You don't right. go in going, hope, hope, I like rolling dice for these skeletons. Yeah. <laughs> no, you don't fucking care. <laughs> exactly. You want the players to enjoy the story you've written. Right. Yeah. I really love, like, the analogy of uh, hosting, like like a party. I think that is incredibly accurate for what GMing is. Because you have all the shit prep ahead of time, which I like you, some of it, but I don't like prep as, oh, as sure. a general rule. Hosting a party is a lot of fucking work. Yeah. And then you have the house thing. house is all clean. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. And then you do the whole thing. And then you have the after, which is like the worst part, which is like cleaning up after. We were just talking about I, this, weren't we? <laughs> if I threw a party that the way I GM, it would be the worst party ever. <laughs> <laughs> what do we have in there? I don't know. Make some shit up. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> What's in the fridge? What can I do with this? I don't know. You show up, you're in your, like, you know, boxer shorts. Hey, what's up? Hey, what are we doing? I don't know. You guys showed up. What do you want to do? <laughs> Mine would be an amazing... in the sink. Yeah. You gotta wash them first. Mine would be an amazing looking party that, like, we had no idea what was gonna actually happen. It's like, stuff everywhere, perfectly laid well, I out. I planned these four dishes. Whatever the, the uh, order in which you encounter <laughs> yeah. them might change. <laughs> <laughs> They're modular. <laughs> <laughs> it's hilarious to us. <laughs> this, uh, it's, that's funny shit. Yeah. <laughs> he even gave us a second topic. I he did. Yeah, he did. Okay. On my second topic, I would like to suggest the Happy Jack's community create a dictionary as we seem to have a different different ideas of what words and phrases mean. I have heard the host bash the phrase GM is God. Uh, and every time I feel that the definition you are working with is different from mine. To me, it means that the rules are malleable to the GM. It does not mean that the GM gets to tell the players what to do. Okay, there's three words in that sentence, and each of them has a pretty distinct definition. Is. What is... <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> we have that to, we have to discuss what, what is, the word is, 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 is a present tense uh, verb to be. Or I, I was making the joke because our former know, president I, literally I, said that <laughs> in a fucking court of law. We have to define what is is, um, as opposed to ISIS, which is 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 together, but that's a whole different thing. But, but she I, was a god, so see how. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm derailing this. Go ahead. But I mean, I don't like I don't like that phrase because it goes to the wrong GM's heads. Yeah. And and I've seen it. Goes to the wrong GM's heads, or goes to the GM's heads wrong. No, the wrong GM. There are people who are GMs who can would use that phrase and have it and see it in the perspective in which it is meant. And then there are the other GMs where it's that phrase is going to go right to their head, and they're going to be a dick. Cower before me, you GMs who would would take that inappropriately are the reason. Almost every single RPG book written in the last 
15 years has a blurb in the front that says please try to follow the spirit of these rules and not the letter don't don't be a dick right yeah i was trying to quote loki because that's that's what happens when you get a gm that's suddenly like i'm a god cower before me you know and and yeah, okay, I get it. You, suddenly, you get that guy who has just a little bit of power, and exactly that's the and, wrong GM. And I don't. And, and it, it, you're gonna have a whole, whole bunch of players who are gonna suffer because of that. It's like it's also like the what is it the the, the, the rule zero that the GM can can change any rule he wants. I think that's bullshit too. I don't think the GM should change rules unless. I mean, if you're talking like major mechanical changes, you got to talk to the players first. Players mm-hmm. built characters around certain assumptions in the game, right? And you need to sit down with them, and you need to like come to a consensus. Mm-hmm. The GM does not sit down. I'm like, if I th- go back to the party analogy, if I throw a party out here and I'm saying I'm cooking steak, okay, you vegans, you're eating steak. <laughs> what the fuck, <laughs> right? Right. Okay. I'd also like to think there's people that are smarter than we are and have spent more time on these mechanics that they're there for a reason and they work. Even though you may not be smart enough to figure out the reasons they work, don't don't toss them out because you don't understand them. And even if you you are going to change those rules, you got to be consistent with them. Right. If you change a rule, that rule is changed for everybody. Right. Including the GM. Including the GM. Very good point. You don't. You don't. You know. All right, I have a LARP story. Okay. Right. <laughs> years and years ago, I'm I'm, I'm 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 in a LARP, and we're like we're in uh, there's a uh, a corn maze up in Gilroy, where we're we're actually playing. We're having a weekend long LARP event. That actually, sounds really cool. It, it was amazing. Is corn maze a euphemism for something? No, it was like an okay. actual maze cut into a field of corn. Is there a fatal LARP? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> It's a corn maze, not cornhole maze. <laughs> oh, it's a corn maze, not a porn maze. And um, hey, there was there was a, a fight, and somebody was using a weapon inappropriately regarding the rules. And somebody called him on it and said, "You know, you got to take all that damage for every hit to that weapon because it's a two-handed weapon. You're holding it in one hand." And the guy flips out and goes, "God, it's just a game!" and storms off. And <laughs> everybody there was a LARP. That's a yeah, we rage quit a LARP. Everyone there was like. Games have rules to be consistent, so it's fair for everyone. Just because it's a game doesn't mean you get to make shit up. And it's ironic that God, it's just a game, and then he storms off angry. Yeah, <laughs> that the, everyone who ever says it's just a game usually says it right before flipping a table or storming <laughs> off. <laughs> That's a very good observation. In my entire <laughs> history of gaming, I have seen one person say it's just a game. And be the level-headed one in the argument. <laughs> now that's a very good in a LARP. Yeah, the angry. This is bullshit. And the GM went, "No, it's a game. It's a game." <laughs> and it was like super calm, which is the most amazing thing when you've got this angry Aryan-looking LARPer in your face screaming <laughs> at you, holding his two-headed sword in one hand. No, it was a different time. Okay. <laughs> Nothing pisses people off more than staying calm. No. You're right. You're right. I did this recently, and uh, I don't think my production designer had any idea what to do with me. <laughs> but yeah, you got it. If you're if you're going to be the GM god and you want to change the way everything works, stick with it. Yeah, I think that's incredibly important because we've all done some house ruling and we've talked about it on the podcast before about how it can actually really contribute to games and be a great piece of it but you have to be consistent with the rules and i'm not saying that because i'm an assistant principal who's just like a stickler for rules although that's part of it but (laughs) 
But yeah, consistency, so the players know what to expect, so you know what to expect, because that also creates trust with the players. If you are constantly changing the rules of the universe on them, they're not going to trust you, and that's going to take away from their fun. I don't take changing the rules lightly. I, I assume that this has been assembled by geniuses and they, they know better than I. Except <laughs> if it's a small thing like perhaps dying during creation in Traveler. I'm like, no, see, that that, that, that makes sense. Cause it that, does. That's the push your luck mechanic. How powerful do you want your character to be? Right. How many skills do you I have understand, to but, that's, that's, but that's when the guy dies five mechanic. times, we're all waiting on him to finish his character before we start the game, it well, kind of got in the way. Maybe he doesn't need to be a munchkin and go for the gold every time. Yeah. Maybe he needs to right. back off a little bit. I, I get it. Or don't go in the scout service. <laughs> or, or maybe he doesn't need to be the world's <laughs> oldest stormtrooper. Right. <laughs> I'm younger than you. Oh, that's right. You you backed it. Who was they it? They had that, to freeze me. It was Dave that kept uh, kept. Uh, yeah, he kept, kept going. going. Yeah, yeah. He's like 96. <laughs> but he's a Sith. He's, he's an alien. Keeps though. him young. That's right. Stork he's, thinks he's a Duros. You can't tell how old they are. <laughs> what did you say, Kimmy? I was going to say Stork thinks only geniuses create uh, these these systems. You, you do know Stu's created a system, right? Right. <laughs> I didn't right. even laugh or nothing. Sorry. <laughs> Have you I'm, played it yet? Uh uh-uh, uh, no, I have not played yeah. his system. I've looked through his stuff. Um, yeah, I'm gonna start running that again. Good. Uh, I'm I'm going to end with two small quasi horror stories. The first one from a campaign I ran, uh, which is using Pathfinder. Uh, let's set the stage. Our party is a group of old friends: a blind oracle, a dumb barbarian, uh, a not that right rogue, and a something. I can't remember the last player. But I bet he was, was dumb as well. Not that relevant. <laughs> All right. Uh, the salient point was that no one in the party was that bright. Okay. The it's rogue- a whole party of Janes. Right. <laughs> the rogue player had a good concept, a not-that-bright thief with lots of ideas. He thought that the rest of the party maybe would follow his plans every once in a while. Uh, every once in a while. But what they mostly would reject the plans as... Th- as they were, how how do I put it? Stupid. Uh, how wrong he was. They made him their leader. Yeah. Right? <laughs> the Everything party, I say is going to be wrong. Okay. The party followed every. Yeah, we had Tappy to that. Yeah. Why are you guys. No! Why are you guys listening to my stupid plan? Because <laughs> you're very convincing. <laughs> Compelling. The party followed every single one of his plans, with the exception of the very last one, which was to charge down a hallway at a phalanx with a crossbow support. <laughs> this was for the chance to get some loot. Uh, for the thief, this was completely in character. Our story, however, takes place before that, though. Uh, they had a tavern, which they frequented in the tightly built wooden slums outside the city walls, where the thief had his home. Some disturbance erupted in the tavern. As a response, the barkeep pulled out a crossbow to quell it. Yeah, like the shotgun, you know. Like, all right, you guys. Exactly. While she, the barkeep, was doing that, the thief walked up and disturbed her. She reacted by aiming at him and asking in a harsh tone what he wanted. This angered the character, and he convinced the rest of the group to leave the tavern. Later, after drinking some more, the thief (laughs) threw out the idea of firebombing the tavern. (laughs) Oh... (laughs) This sounds like Tappy. <laughs> sounds like every role-playing game ever. That's ever, true. Everyone lights things on fire. <laughs> this ended up with them burning down most of that section of the slums. <laughs> Whoops. My second story is more of a horror story, although it doesn't match most of the earlier on the show. 
Well, let's hope not. We don't need any more of those. Uh, we were preparing uh, to start a campaign of Rogue Tra- Trader, and I made a character designed to dual-wield bolt pistols. This Sounds was cool. This right? was something I could do as an arms master. I think that's what the class was called. Uh, could start with two bolt pistols, which usually are weapons that are fairly difficult to get a hold of. Before the first session, the GM wanted to have a prologue session with each character, something which I liked. It did not end well. While I don't know how the session went for the other players, I feel they got got out better. My session started with me tied up in a warehouse without any of my gear, i.e. what I was basing my character on. My session consisted of me escaping the warehouse, this without reclaiming any of my gear, which includes my pistols and armor. The session ended with my character being picked up by another PC. The first session took us aboard an abandoned Space Hulk. Think ridiculously large spaceship. This being without me getting any replacement gear. I did manage to pick up some during my escape, but that was it. We started to explore the Space Hulk. It didn't take long before we noticed the train tracks in the floor. At one point, we tried to get off the rails by cutting open the door using a power sword one of the players had. Apparently... We were in a tunnel at that point, as he kept us on the rails by making the door repair itself to make a stop. The door drained the battery of the power sword. Wow, like literally keeping them on the rails. Yes. yes. The door uh, repairs uh, itself. No, yeah. No figurative rails here. No. Uh, following the rails, <laughs> we ended up in combat against something we couldn't fight against. In the end, the player who played the thief from the last story, and I decided to blow the rails, destroy the (coughs) prot window. I think it means plot. Plot window out into the vacuum of space, committing double suicide. Yay! There ends the campaign. Uh, Well, that's enough for me. It's interesting that his second horror story is kind of about a GM who took his own fun in his own plan for the game ah, above yes <laughs> well played gimme <laughs> above the play the player's fun this is it can be an example of how a gm trumps his own fun over others for for sure and i do like the fact that he was so frustrated he's like fuck you i'm killing myself and everybody else in this campaign because because <laughs> players could do that they're like oh we're in space all right, guys, I'm blowing the hole to the wall. What? We'll all die. Yes, we will. Yes, yes you know, we no will. Misery will be over. <laughs> also known as the giant middle finger to the GM. Yeah, <laughs> but a GM who is forcing you to stay on rails is, is going to be like, literally, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> literally, Funny how the hole didn't rails. self-repair itself. Yeah. Only the doors do. <laughs> <laughs> if you think if you had a self-repairing mechanism, the hole would be the first place to put it. Well, right? I think at that point the GM is like, oh, they're just going to try to kill themselves. <laughs> I should probably just go home. Just go. You should do it just you know, for shock. Uh, a couple comments on the uh, Q&A here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think the GM can in- get enjoyment from running the game itself? Well, yeah. <laughs> I don't think so. I, 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 well, I can't. I don't think. And, that, and that's I, that's the guy who wrote this email. That, that's, that, mm. that's Reagan. I, hey. Can the GM get enjoyment I'll just be, from running from the, the game, game itself. Are you are you going to run it for yourself, or are you going to run it for other people? Because you, there's no way you can't enjoy yourself if you have other people I, there. I think that might be an unanswerable question. I, okay. yeah, I don't think you can, because you... I don't even understand how you would do that. <laughs> I think... 
I mean, the only way you can know that is if, I mean, if you if you're divorcing player enjoyment from the from the scenario entirely, then let's assume the players aren't having fun. Can the GM have fun? Oh, no. Should the GM be having fun? Well, if you enjoy cleaning your barbecue and cleaning your house and putting up decorations, then yes, you can have fun all by yourself. Oh, right, but, and then well, you feel but, bad when but, no everybody shows up or they don't like your steak or they leave early or yeah. Well, no, so it, it's actually it would actually be more like you do all the prep work, and the party starts, and no one shows up, but you're still throwing the party. You're still sitting at that grill cooking for six hours. <laughs> yeah, no one is there. Right. Do you enjoy yourself? Fuck no. <laughs> no. I, I the idea the idea of of not putting the make, making sure the players are enjoying the game you're running is so alien to me that I can't even begin to comprehend the kind of GM that that Yeah, I don't I, mean, I don't know I don't even know if that is act truly an answerable question. I, I think, think GM enjoyment is nested within yeah. the player enjoyment yes, and that so. trying to make them separate but equal is just wrong. Right. I mean, you can definitely. There's definitely people who draw more enjoyment out of it, uh, out of the player reactions than others. And I'm sure, like I, I would get super disappointed if I played with a really quiet group who didn't have big reactions because the reactions are what make it for me. But there's tons of GMs out there who have quiet groups, who you know they don't get that constant dragon brother and all that stuff happening, and they have a great time. So I feel like it also has to do with what you're used to and what you expect of your players. Well, I mean, uh, Hour 11 on our forum has talked about the fact that he re- he's a quiet GM. Mm-hmm. And he d- doesn't portray characters in in like a a real-time <laughs> way. He, he tends to pr- primarily narrate rather than... Right, we talked about that. There's people that act out <coughs> their NPCs, right. and there's people that narrate with the NPCs. And he also too. says that his games tend to be more intense, more about like the emotional development of the characters and all of that stuff. So it doesn't have that you know the big reactions that you would mm-hmm. expect. But I would imagine if we were to ta- if we were to have him here and we were to say, "Well, do your players enjoy the game?" His answer is going to be yes. Yes, they may not be as vocal about it. Mm-hmm. It may not be the the the. The, the group of loud people over at the other table shouting and screaming. That's my game. But they're pr- right. But they're <laughs> probably they're probably ha- still having a blast. Right. And by the end of the session, maybe they're exhausted and drained. Totally. And like, yeah. Traumatized. Like, oh my god, oh that my was god. amazing. Yeah. Right. So, but, but, and, and I would have to think that his enjoyment in, in doing that is derived from the intense reactions his players have during the game. Yeah. I would think there yeah. might be something else at work here too, which is. You enjoyed the prep so much, and you prepared a lot, and suddenly the players don't go where you expected to. So all that wonderful prep work that you were going to show them and reveal to them and to have them have a great time is null and void. And, you're, and you feel like that you have let your players down because you are shooting them in the hip, and all the cool stuff you had, you couldn't apply. Sure. And, and you I, feel I, like you've I, let your players down. Yeah, I do have that kind of in the, sometimes in the back of my head when I'm really shooting from the hip going down the left path when I prepped everything down the right path. Yeah. Sorry, that stank. Uh, <laughs> but when I... I sometimes do think maybe I'm shortchanging them a little bit because of all of the stuff that I had re- ready to go that right. I now can't get to now. 
maybe later, but whatever. I've also prepped entire campaigns that I never ran. Yeah. Yeah. And had fun doing that. I mean, that's th- that's kind of where I, I think the, the the barbecue analogy breaks down because no one likes cleaning their barbecue grill, <laughs> right? No one likes having to make sure that you know the whole house is clean. And that well, there's that some there's OCD people out there, but yeah, but, not, I mean, most of the most of it, rational most people. of us consider that work. But yeah, but prepping for a campaign that's a lot of fun. It's a very creative process. Yeah, and I and I mean there are a lot of game designers who. I think one of the reasons they become game designers is because they really love doing that kind of stuff, and they can produce so much of it, they can publish it. Well, okay, well, let me ask you this. It's a permutation on the same thing. Well, if you had a game that was going well, everybody was following along the prep that you mostly did, or mostly following on the prep you did, yeah. But you had a player that was disruptive, wasn't into it, was fucking it up, and would you feel bad because you couldn't keep them in line? Because I had this as a younger, and it, I've been bumped into it now and again too. Even role playing, I know, I know you sometimes don't notice that players are misbehaving, right? But I notice, I'm, maybe I'm more hyper aware of it now. But I notice it, like when I'm like, oh my gosh, somebody's checking out, somebody's checking their phone. Oh, uh oh, they're not having fun. Maybe I'm being more super sensitive to it, but I feel like I need to. Keep all the players engaged all the time. Well, that you're also the front man in our band. Well, where and, and that and where that is, that's almost kind of one of your jobs is to kind of read the audience and make sure that the train wreck is going in the right direction <laughs> and the momentum keeps kills going, the least right? amount of people when it derails, or the most, depending <laughs> how you look at it. But I mean, I mean, when I think of, I mean, when you got like one person who's being disruptive or whatever. Sometimes it's hard. I mean, getting back to the analogy of uh, uh, of an audience in a show, there there's always like, like one guy, who, the, the one sourpuss in the audience, yeah. who's like, yeah, and has that frown in his face, and he doesn't like what you're doing. Um, but he won't get up and leave. No, but he's going to sit there and look miserable, and there will be a sea of people who are having fun. But who's <laughs> the one guy you can't stop looking at? Yeah. That asshole. So that's right? what you have to tell yourself when you when you look at... Don't look at him. Okay. Don't look, <laughs> don't look at him. <laughs> don't look at the trap, Ray. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, I, I don't know. I mean, but... I mean, certainly, if it gets to the point where the GM is no longer having fun... Yeah. The game's the game probably needs to end, but you're not saying once because there's been times where you're like, "It's game night." Oh sure. It. Oh yeah. I guess I got to go through this, and and then at the end of it, you're like, "Wow, I'm glad I did that." Cool. Usually, yes. And there are well, some times where it's like, "Well, that didn't go very well," but uh, that's that's every con game for me. <laughs> like right before it, I get crazy social anxiety. I'm like. How can I get out of this? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and then I go do it, and it's awesome. I'm and you go to the bar, exhausted. and there's high fives all around. You're like, yeah, I survived. <laughs> it's like combat. I'm always too tired to be nervous because I stayed up so late doing all my last minute prep because I always wait till like the night before. And you're crazy. You like make props right. and well, see, stuff. I have the story like completely <laughs> flushed out. I'm like, oh, I've still got four nights. I can do everything in four nights. Oh, I still got three nights. Oh, I, I got two you. nights. I'm gonna be able to just. Oh my god, there's only one. Then I gotta tell you, that's that's one of the reasons I was kind of pissed you didn't run your game at the last con. I wanted a fucking pony. 
and I had the I, I still have them all, and that's one of the reasons I couldn't run it because I did not have time to make them. And I know if I showed up to sh- to run a Cthulhu Laser Pony game right, without the fucking ponies, it would be like everyone would just rage quit and leave. Well, y- you also were like driving across the state <laughs> halfway through the gig, weren't you? Wasn't mm-hmm. that the point where? You, oh no, you guys had another no. gig, but I was across yeah, yeah, the state. Yeah. All right. No, I was at the con. I just work had been crazy and stuff. Yeah. I just didn't have time. Real life stuff. Uh, okay. Uh, Good topic, though. Yeah, it was not an yeah. answerable question, but like a very, very fruitful discussion. Got us talking. Yeah. Email from Andrew. Who would like to read? Oh, wait, let me read Tomer's thing. Yeah, here. yeah. Uh, uh, regarding GM enjoys the game when players do. I found uh, Dungeon World really nice in that the players roll dice for everything. It just feels like they're enjoying the fighting and defending. Do mechanics assist in player enjoyment? No, yes. truth, you know what? For me, they don't. Mechanics take me out of player enjoyment because I want to feel like I came up with a creative solution. I don't want to have to have a mechanic dictated to me. You're an immersion whore. That's because yeah. you Maybe roll I for am. shit. Well, <laughs> yes. It's because mechanics hate you. Yes, mechanics you, are not if my If you friend. could crit once in a while, <laughs> you'd you'd, you'd, you would love more. mechanics. <laughs> like... Like in the Star Wars game, when I sat out there and I aimed, <laughs> and then I shot that fucking Jedi in the chest. That's right. That's that was right. amazing. I loved those mechanics. <laughs> I don't think that's never going to yeah, happen. No, again. it's not going to happen to me either. <laughs> 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 Aim for three rounds and shoot the right. Um Well, uh, but that's how I try to set up every combat in that game now. <laughs> well, you guys go over there. Just chase them this way. <laughs> I'll sit here with my giant gun. <laughs> You've got the big heavy-duty one, don't yeah. you? I think I have the rapid-fire one. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think you, you have more. I, and plus, mine only has like six shots in it. Mine has like 30. Yeah. Wow. The, the mechanics often send me scrabbling into my players, looking at my skill set, and then going to books and looking at what those mean, and right. charts, and tables. And yeah, it takes me right out of the game. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm doing research on on how good I can shoot with my blaster as opposed to actually saying, I pull up my blaster and shoot him. See, I think it, it depends on how comfortable you are with the system. Like, some of the systems that, that I play, I know the, the mechanics super well, so they're almost kind of like a safety blanket in a way. Like, I know exactly how everything works, so it lets me, it frees me up to, to roleplay more because I am, you know, I know how things work. I know if my ideas are feasible. Um, while in other systems, like if it's a new system, then it does kind of drag because I'm like okay I have no idea if I can do this like let me look at my thing so I think pro- most of it is is familiarity with the system I, I yes uh, certainly certainly being familiar with the system helps a lot but I still like to look around and stuff but, but still I want to I want to follow up on something here yes you call me an immersion whore yeah <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that <laughs> what you are so well, why what's a non-immersion whore uh, a dice monkey someone who likes some mechanics Okay, so okay, so we're going to use one nickname to define what the other one is. It's a spectrum. Yes. All right. <laughs> you fall somewhere it on it. It is. Um, All right. Stork's way on one end. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, somewhere in the middle. In the I interest like of, 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 of making the Happy Jacks dictionary <laughs> that Joel from Sweden wanted us dice to do. Monkey. Dice, dice monkey. Dice monkey. Immersion monkey. Okay. Horror. We have two new, two new terms. That's that the dichotomy. It's the mood swing. <laughs> uh, I'll I read Andrew for now, just, to, just in the interest of... set up a, a quiz for where you fall on that spectrum. 
We should. I got a spectrum for you. Uh, so I'll read Andrew just in the interest of moving things forward. I told forward. you about that? <laughs> hey, guys. Thanks for making sidebar episodes in response to my last email. What a pod boner that was. That's oh, a boner dictionary. Boing. Fanboy penis. I don't have a spring sound. No, but you have Charles Nelson Riley. <laughs> How's that for a topper? <laughs> See, perfect for pod boner. <laughs> I'm writing in this time. It's working right now. <laughs> we just killed Tyler. I'm writing in this time looking for... You know what? You need to get a Christopher Walken one, and then it's like going to be a guess whether it's Tyler or Chris Walken. It it's at that point. It's be a and, guess. And Pez. And Pez. And Pez. I'm writing in this time looking for ideas. I'm tired of the boring templates you get from your standard fantasy materials. Tolkien's races were great, but they're stale. What? Yeah, Kimmy. <laughs> easy, easy, Kimmy. It's okay. He he has more to say. Do we have Andrew's address? Do any of you have <laughs> any fifty-year-old books, Kimmy? Fifty <laughs> years old. <laughs> have an interesting. Isn't that good to begin with? Oh, that's it, Kimmy. All right. Don't ever listen to my other podcast. Kimmy. I will. <laughs> Paced like a ninety-year-old in a walker. I bash Tolkien so much on my other show. <laughs> do, do you good? I hate you all. Do any of you have an interesting spin? to give old races namely elves dwarves orcs and halflings or new races that don't taste any regurg- or taste like regurgitated saltines my absolute favorite halfling race is from dark sun the kinder no dark sun halflings are uh, like feral cannibals oh nice. really yes that's awesome uh, in a hole there lived a hobbit and nobody went in there because they never came back out again yeah, they're like plains people, and they eat every other race <laughs> that goes out and there. their own dead, I think. Because the Kender are a good take. Ken- I love Kender as well. Or the Hobbits as well. Yeah. Or gnomes, uh, if you want to just... They're more like halflings. Yeah, okay. The halfling was based on the Kender from... Uh, 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 Dragonlance novels. Rather, the D&D halflings are based on Kender. Right. Well, I, okay, let me see what we can talk about that. between a, a Hobbit and a halfling? They use Hobbit and Halfling, but Halflings in in D and D are what? not. There are no like Hobbits in D and D. Yeah, there. There's no Hobbits, but there's there's Halflings, but they're like they're like half the there size was the, of an elf. There was the like stout and there was and athletic, whereas as Hobbits a, are pudgy. They and yeah, eating fat. right. They're the fat kid. Like you, yeah. you said that. Somebody said that. <laughs> I said that. And oh. they are. You're Second right. breakfast, elevensies. <laughs> They, they like save the world though I mean come on fat kids can save the world I saw Goonies yeah and I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> on another note people seem to want a better look at their, your processes of making games a special series of episodes where the host brainstorm and build a game would probably be probably score you guys a major groupie points anyway take care and jack off that would be the most oh fucked up series of episodes mm. like six so, of us in a room trying to play <laughs> one game oh boy yeah Stu and uh, and Bill tried to write a song together once and they had they did have to edit but uh, they did come up with one yeah we did yeah, yeah too tall too tall right yeah. that's right too tall for the privy she was too tall for the, oh, for the bed yeah. Yeah, too tall for the preview, so she used the woods instead. That's right. <laughs> there were some really she good was, rhymes. <laughs> I still have those lyrics are in this room somewhere. <laughs> we should actually perform that song. But she's but her height's just right for me. Yeah. <laughs> See, this ties in great with the the idea of the Iron GM or our take on it or whatever, where we all are given the same like base, like super basic foundation, and like we all have to run games on it at the con. 
and see like what weird different things we right. come up with. We should absolutely do that. Where it's like you are like, given a gnome and <laughs> steampunk. Yes. Go! Yeah, we, like, we, we pull out. <laughs> everybody pulls out random. Like, somebody yeah. pulls out your villain, your setting, and no, we yeah, all get the same ingredients, right? Yeah. But you pull it from randomly from a bag, so we know we and they're all jumbled up. No, no, no. We all don't go different ones. Somebody has to pull I, that's out. That's what I'm saying. We, have, we have, have like a chairman and a coat. Pull out one from each like <laughs> yeah. character setting, yeah. plot hook kind of thing. We all have to work from that and just do that. Like that that's would be so awesome. And then we run the game. Yeah. But we have to have that drawing. Like two weeks before the con. No, we have no, to do it no, no, at no, the coning like ten no, minutes before the game. game. Prep a game. Oh no! In, oh, no. You got to make prep a game in characters. Hour. No, you guys are crazy. That can't happen. <laughs> you started this. No, no, I like the idea, but I was like <laughs> make four weeks gems. before the con. Four weeks. Yeah, like at a podcast. Four, two. 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 Come on. Two and a half. Two weeks. What am I going to do with that other week and six days then? <laughs> <laughs> make ponies. <laughs> Yeah, I gotta have, I gotta have time. Kimmy's gonna be the only one with props. Yeah, Kimmy's right. gonna show up with like a truck full of props. Kimmy's gonna roll in a wheelbarrow full of props. <laughs> Play a game with this, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> we should like bring it back to Iron Chef and just like <laughs> present a food. <laughs> And you have to make a what? game out of it. Like, oh, oh, somebody's like, here's your dish, make a game out of that. You get chili dog and cotton candy, go! Oh, fuck. Well, Bill's got a grim game for that already. <laughs> I got Freak Show, so, it's a circus so, food. So, uh, other takes on races. I mean, what, one of the things that Bill and I talked about a lot back when we were playing GURPS is we took <coughs> orcs and turned them into, like, a warrior race. They weren't just like these evil things that are mindless, and there's a reason for their brutality. So you and took orcs and created Klingons? Yeah, basically. <laughs> they basically made them, or, or like samurai. Okay. Right? Um, but turned them into a warrior race that has really, this brutal existence. They're really more Spartans <laughs> than anything. It's like, yes! Yes! Sparta! She's got a... She's got a... She's got some blizzard <laughs> in her throat. Yeah. This is before... Yeah. yeah. But, um... <laughs> I mean, we even came up with, like, the Orc Code of Honor, um, uh, why they never retreat, and, you know, they, all based on honor and stuff like that. And, I mean, all the stuff we did was for GURPS. Hmm. But we basically boosted them as a race and made them you know, a little more badass, and they're, because they're, they grow up in this really brutal society, so they have more hit points than, than a, a, a normal creature of their size would have. They're stronger, they're naturally better fighters, because... They grew up in this environment where if you're not like that, you're going to get killed. Yeah. Right. So it completely changed, and, and, and but, but they weren't just like these evil minions of some guy. They were this 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 living, breathing race species that but existed. You gave them an actual culture, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's still an orc. No, they were different. But, though. Yeah. They, and and they became actually a, a more playable race because that kind of idea, the orc that you played. Mm-hmm. We kind of took the same that same kind of idea and 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 you it makes it something you can actually hand a PC and mm-hmm. they can play rather exactly. than you know here's a and it makes it a more formidable that. enemy too yeah I I've been playing Mass Effect recently and Mass Effect oh. has some really great characters and aliens and things and yet if you look at it you can still see the dwarf the elf the wizard they're all in there so. 
I mean, the, the, the quick the answer is just, just re- DLC. <laughs> reskin those characters is something else, but the, the long answer is do it well and make it interesting, and it really does, you don't, you don't need to be stuck with the dwarven warrior who's a cleric. It can be something else that, it, and in fact, that might be really energizing to create a game, is coming up with cultures for all of these uh, what? things you've set up. Last week, we had someone tell us about the shantification of whatever it was, that the video that was on YouTube. Right. I, I sat down and watched it after we finished the show. hmm Fascinating. And basically, what the guy... What the, the, the gist of... what I My takeaway from it was when he's playing a game... And he's mostly talking about video games. When he's playing a game, he always asks himself these really annoying questions. And the one that he used as an example is, what do they eat? So you're going through this post-apocalyptic world, and you come across this little town, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, well, what do they eat? Yeah. And in some games, you have no clue. There's nothing about that. But in whatever game it was he's talking about, here's a little town. Oh, look, there's a chicken coop over here. Mm-hmm. It doesn't do anything. It doesn't have any game effect whatsoever. But someone in the designing the game put thought into the fact that, yeah, people live here. Right. They're going to need to eat. They're going to need to eat. Something that's not radiated. So, I mean, you could take any one aspect about any one of the Tolkien races and say, okay, why are they like that? What is the reason? Why do the dwarves live underground? What is it? What's their reason? And what do they eat? And what do they eat? They're underground. Yeah. Fucking mushroom stew all day long. What else they got, Right. One of my favorite things to do to to mix things up with races that I am a huge fan of and like, by the way, um, is actually have their culture be destroyed. (laughs) (laughs) Don't even get started on my sneezes. You're adorable. I just want to hug you. I will punch you in the face. You're like you're like the most buff person I know right now, and I just I felt oh. Does that does that that, uh, a quick vote? Is that what we? Kind of think Hello Kitty <laughs> sneezes like. <laughs> okay. I hate you, I, you need to put that in the soundboard, Steve. <laughs> I've got a sample. Oh shit! <laughs> Every time so You know, you know, deaf people don't vocalize when they sneeze. No. What? I didn't know that. Deaf people don't vocalize when they sneeze. What, do they just, How do they know? They, they just, just sneeze. <laughs> How do they know when they sneeze? <laughs> they don't know. <laughs> There's an ex- but they no, they have to because nope. there's an explosion of like there's air still, comes there's out. sound, but oh. like Kimmy's chew. They don't make that sound. I see. Mm. If they're, <laughs> I was just about to say the stupidest thing ever. <laughs> no, that's usually my job. Go, just go ahead, you'll be fine. Deaf listeners. You never want to write in and prove me wrong. <laughs> Could rest the hand against the stereo speaker. Oh, Kimmy had a point. Anyway, just I had a point, yeah. yeah. So, Tyler. <laughs> so have it be, you know, centuries after the fall of the elves. So now instead of, you know, a proud, wise race, they're scavengers or... They did that in Dragonlance. Yeah. Well, kind of like kind of like what happened to the dwarves and the hobbit. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But there's still dwarves and elves and hobbits. How do we? How do you get away from dwarves, elves, and hobbits? Do you, do you just reskin the elf and make it a lizard? No, I mean, he's saying this to, to stay with the basic races, but to change them, them in some way so that they're not stale. That's what he's talking about. And you could, if you like, if something happens that decimates, you know, elven culture so that 
all of their history, all of their music, all of their their you know, every, everything about their culture that they were so proud of that they've handed down from you know century long life to century long life is wiped out for some reason. <gasps> and there's only you know a handful of them left. That makes me want to cry. I, I, I actually <laughs> or, have a or good maybe example. they're all orphans. Not something like that. So watch. They have no family. Watch the first couple of uh, seasons of a BBC series called Red Dwarf. Mm-hmm. Oh. There's a character in it. Red who Dwarf. Is this millions of years devolved cat. Red Dwarf. Yeah, that's the one science fiction show that BBC did that had worse special effects than Doctor <laughs> Who. Yeah, <laughs> they actually used leftover. <laughs> they did use leftover. That was actually great. That's getting that clear. So the whole premise is that the ship's like the Nostromo. Everybody's been in hypersleep forever except for the cat. Right, he, there was a pregnant cat he's on board. Pooping on everyone's shoes, <laughs> and he's evolved into a humanoid life form. When they all wake up, cat has become. Oh, it's nice to see you all. It's great. And he's this sort of hip black guy, but right. they, with a Cockney accent. Cat, why is it you? Know, well, I've been here now for millennium. Yeah, but he has evolved in into the first a couple of seasons. Creature. There's there's an old. Per- cat person there, and he's basically telling him their history, which is just this horribly m- telephoned translation of stories the main character told his pet cat millions of years ago. <laughs> and it's like they went to war and and like slaughtered each other over whether their hat should be red or blue. Yeah, because something right. he said to his cat a long, like millions of years ago, right. gets translated. So take dwarf culture and like write it up, put it into Babelfish or Google Translate, translate it into six different oh, languages, that's awesome. and, translate it back. and then that's see what their history. Great looks idea. Like. That's really cool. And that, that gives you like all kinds of different factions because mm-hmm. these people believe the history. Right. They got translated into Korean and back. Right. And these people yes. over here. Right. I trans- actually, translate it to Korean, then German, and then back to English. I Oof. actually read a, an interesting novel where dwarves were or dwarves, elves were immortal, and armed with the fact that a, an, a, an elf is immortal, childbirth is a sacred thing. Uh, teenage years and all that would be millennia. Also, the death of an elf is tragic Huge because right. there aren't any more to replace them, and if and. So when an elf goes into combat... Well, if they live forever, they could just crank out babies all they want, right? Well, See, I always assumed that they would mate only once. And they're right. Like, yeah, they'd only have one. And if an elf goes into combat, pair. that's a big deal, because they might actually possibly cease to exist at that very point. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, they, and they could possibly live forever, so why would they want to engage in combat? All of that stuff, just that one little thing. Elves live forever. Go. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 has ramifications. It, it, it's that pebble. Every in the other pond. player at the table would fucking hate you. <laughs> well, come yeah. on, fuck it, stork, just shoot your goddamn bow. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know why I'm with you guys. All I have to do is wait around a while, and you guys will be dead. <laughs> you all die. Exactly. All I have to do is go hang out in a tree for a thousand years, and none of this shit will be a problem. Exactly. <laughs> all of that stuff has ramifications. Uh, you imagine a whole party of that. Yeah, Every, just everybody's just, just complete solipsist. Yeah, they're just whatever. All right, Jim, we wait a thousand years. <laughs> what happens? <laughs> Come up with a new plot because you know, now it's Steam era, so this will be much more fun. Right. I just want to tell you all how how well behaved I was right then. I didn't go to to like crazy similar similar Silmarillion like backstory there for the. Oh, thank thoughts. you, thank you. That. It's okay. The show's not that long. I know. <laughs> that book is. Though. You know, I have restraint. Much. 
It's good mush. I'll read this one. Whoever reads this has to read the next one. Yeah. This one this one kills me. It's a paragraph long and we could easily talk for hours about it. <laughs> I know, I know. And I may, have. I may revisit it too. Good mush here. Just wondering how you develop a game. And how you build scenes for the games you run for conventions and home games. Also, what information do those scenes contain? I know every GM has their own system, so I'm wondering what yours is. Let's mostly talk about when you <coughs> come up with scenes, what what aspects of that scene do you always address when you're doing prep? Let's, let's kind of... It's very that, different right? for a con game versus a home game. Yes. Right. Because for a con game, you've got four hours. Mm-hmm. And you know what the... For me, anyway, the story, you know what the... the, the I only have the roughest idea of the story. I know where it's going to start. I know where it's going to end. And then I just let the players fumble their way through it. <laughs> right. That's a con game. That's a yeah, con, con game. game. Uh, What's your home game like? For a home you game. don't show up? <laughs> <laughs> for a home game, I call them and be like, all right, what are you guys going to do? <laughs> no, um... Actually, it's been a long time since I ran a home game that was a campaign that wasn't uh, an adventure path. Mm-hmm. So for advent, it's you know I take the adventure path book, I open it, and I say, "What are the players doing right now?" Right, and then and then Elspeth goes, "I'm going to find a map." <laughs> Shit! Now I got to make something up. I'm with you. I've basically just done con games for the last few years. However, I'd like to think that when I do home games, I still do the whole modular mm-hmm. where you you create a scenario or you create a scene and you can plug it in at any time or anywhere. Yeah. I've been planning a couple of like campaigns and they both of them are shaping out to be very sandboxy. Here's where you start. I have a few ideas for what I'm going to have happen to you, but y- where you go is up to you. Mm-hmm. Kind of thing. I I mean I I started a homebrew game a while ago and it was sort of based on the What's that French, that French myth about the beast of Gavignon, which uh, oh. you know, it was sort of a werewolf, so like a realistic werewolf story. But it, it's been, it's been. I'm sure the chat room is going to come in any minute now. It's a, it's a French village, and they were, the people were being torn apart every full moon about by this beast. And um, um, there was a film that was made about it as well. But I sort of loosely based this home-based system on it, and I came up with all these wonderful, great scenes. And I figured I could put them in at any point, depending on where they went. I mean, they, they could go to the stable in this might happen, or they might go into a mine, or they could go to the mayor's house, and all of these. They, I could I could drop these scenes in. So I made them, I made the scene flexible enough to put anywhere I wanted and flesh that scene out with NPCs, the monster, whatever. But I didn't give it a specific. I mean, you didn't have to like take the railroad to here, get off the train, and get, and then that's the scene. I made it where oh, now I can do it here, or I can drop it here. Right, right. Uh, and it could happen at any time. It could happen, in, you know, before other scenes, or it could happen after other scenes. The beast of Ga- how do you pronounce that? Get all down. Okay. Get all down. And there was a, it was a, I think it's not, it's a Brotherhood of the Wolf. Tyler is the authority for French pronunciation. (laughs) I think Brotherhood of the Wolf was the the movie that, that, uh, that sort of came from that. Yeah. Um, uh, And it's an interesting movie. It's, it's not great. It's an interesting movie, but the, but the myth is actually even better. Uh, and then people have, people have done explorations of it. But anyway, my, my point is that I have all, I came up with all these wonderful little scenarios, these little scenes that, I consider it like, you know, you're juggling or, or just there's a ball and I'll we'll pull this one out and put that there now. <laughs> what, are you laughing at balls? <laughs> <laughs> the what about you pulling out your balls? <laughs> 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 
The chat room, by the way, is is losing their shit over that, and they say that, that you have redeemed yourself for knowing about that. <laughs> From what? What if? What was that? Your well, usual like, your state. cat impression. Oh, they, oh, they gave right. you shit for your cat impression. Oh, it was pretty <laughs> awful. It was. N- no, I didn't want to embarrass story. <laughs> when I when I'm doing when I'm doing uh, con games, I, I want to know uh, who's going to be in the scene. Yeah. What what sort of my end case is for what I want them to get out of that? Whether I want them to have information, if it's a fight, what what how the fight resolves is going to determine where they might go after that. Uh, and then I try to come up with some sort of details, some sort of visceral details about the scene itself, the setting of the scene, where it is, what it's like, what it smells like, to, to get, give a little bit of that kind of stuff. When I'm running... Um, but see, that's more specific than me, because I can come up with that on the fly. <coughs> if I would decide the scene is now at the stable, I can come up with horse smells and all of that kind of thing. Sure. But the, see, the kernel of... <laughs> you can come up with horse smells pretty easily, I know that. <laughs> what? <laughs> Jimmy is the only one here that is an expert on being able to define a horse smell, all right? Whoa. I'm just saying. Whoa. Because, well... You, Wilbur. You're actually, the only one here that's ridden a horse. Well, I've been on a horse. I've, yeah, really? I've a of horse. course. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on a horse. <laughs> All right, this is degenerating. Okay, so now, but when I. <laughs> I think for what I do, I'm going to just like continue. Go ahead. All right. <laughs> I think I make my entire storyline. And then I chop it into pieces. So I'll write, I like do like I don't actually write a timeline, but in my head there's a timeline of what I want to happen in the game. Oh my god, you guys are like five years old. <laughs> and then I just go through and figure out good places a, to cut between them. Do I have a feedback clip? You are. It's like it's like Stu tries to focus and then loses it, and it's hilarious. So my name's Kimmy, and I have taken over the Happy Jacks RPG oh podcast. No, I, I, I totally get interesting because that's that's basically what I do too. Yeah. I write out here's how the story is going to go. Here's yeah. where they can get certain information, and then yeah. you cut it into pieces that can be yeah places that usually that make sense. Yeah. yeah, and I think I do also a combination of what Stork does too. It's um, not necessarily like they have to go to this tavern here for this to happen like these events are kind of malleable you can kind of skin them wherever right they you have end an up. event but not necessarily a location exactly exactly so sometimes time they need specific things around but i find that it's pretty easy to to reskin things to reskin like you said events for different locations so doesn't that, that just make all of our games just railroads we know the four encounters they're going to have regardless of where they go <laughs> Not necessarily. I feel like I am much more railroady with campaigns. I am much more sandboxy in a in a con game where it's really just like, okay, you've got four hours to fuck around and do whatever you're going to do. And then um, a campaign, you have more time to have them wander off the path and then wander back onto the path. Mm-hmm. So you don't necessarily have to follow them down their little side road. <laughs> Oh my god! I can't they believe he's still laughing. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm, we're I'm back. Done. Okay, I'm back. She's gonna spit beer. Yeah, he is. Ew. I shouldn't have taken that. No, step. you shouldn't have. <laughs> oh, okay. Then get back to what was. <laughs> we're gonna have to skip this. I'll talk about it next week. <laughs> it's okay. You okay, needed right. to laugh. All right, so oh. I, I can move on to the next email. You can move on to the next email. So, so uh, good mush. More on that's that a next really week. good question, and I'm I'm sure we could have a segment every week where we talk about that. Uh, email from Michael. One sentence, which again could 
be an episode entirely oh, of itself. Man. How much of a region's culture should be given to the players as set dressing? As much as they need to play their characters. You know, and I'll spend, uh, like, an entire week coming up with cultures, because I love that stuff. And then mm-hmm. I want to give it to them. Information dump. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and like, you, you feel... you. F- I feel bad hey. if if there's something that I... that Like, there's a plot point that I go, Oh, by the way, you know that people from this area always do... It's like, I feel like such a D-bag when I have to do I that. I know. Right. Let's take, for example, you're playing an orc, and Stu, like, dumps on you. Here's your orc culture. <laughs> or, like, right... And no, it's cool. That, but, like, right but in the like, middle of a scene where he goes, Oh, by the way, orcs would always do this. Yeah. It's like, shit, that's culture that... Right. How do you? Because you can't ever tell ev- every player everything they need. I'm to not know. sure how you balance that out because because you don't want to information dump and overload them. Here's a here's a, a nine page or, or ninety page treaty on orcs. Read that before you play your character because I've done a lot of research. Or in, or do you do what you do, which is here's or, or <coughs> you said you give them a paragraph and say, oh, um, I'm not sure the orcs would react that way, and here's why. I don't know. Where's the Where's the medium? And how do you How do you balance that out? Now maybe it's game specific. You know, if you've reinvented orcs, everybody needs to be on board with the fact that your orc is not your typical orc, and here's why. And everybody needs to read the ninety page treaties. Right. If it's your prototypical orc with a couple of tweaks, then they need to know what those tweaks are, and you need to stick to them. You can't just say, "Oh, I've come up with another one now." One right. of the most difficult times I ever had was something like that. I was actually playing in a Wheel of Time game. Because wow. they put out a Wheel of Time D20. I think it was in a D20. Mm-hmm. And everybody else in the game had read every single book that had been out and loved it and knew everything there was to know about them. I had never cracked one of those books. Yikes. And I'm playing uh, I'm playing an Ogier, which is like this like giant race that sings to trees and stuff. Although and it sounds like know, ogre. I know fuck all about yeah. this setting. So we walk into a town and somebody like trips and falls face first into this lady's cleavage and there's a dagger worn a certain way on her belt and all the other players are like <gasps> I was like hey what's going on? <laughs> Which worked well because I was a character who was completely removed from the rest of society. Mm-hmm. But for my own society I knew shit too. So. Right. Yeah. Well, in the wheel of time, actually, <laughs> the old gears were actually weren't removed from any. Uh, so, actually, it was a good character for you to play because. Uh, <laughs> Love Stark's making fun of people, but he's actually giving us the information right. we right. need. He's I, not wrong. No. Hive, Hive Mind br- brings something up, which I've done in the past as well. Is how about you fucking ask the players how their character's culture would act? Yeah. And that, I mean, if the GM is not invested in that particular culture. And hasn't done a bunch of work in that culture, and maybe that's something the GM might want to shy away from. Mm-hmm. Is and that and that is have the player character tell you what? Yeah. You, what? Okay, it's, you're a nomad from this desert. Okay, I made a desert and I named it the Wandering Desert. That's all <laughs> I know about it. You tell me what the culture. Yeah, is. Yeah, it's like. a yeah. school of GMing. You yeah. you fill in your own totally. culture, and I will I will make notes. Right. I have to you, say, you, okay. let me know enough about it. Yeah. You know. One of my favorite characters I've made is when we were doing the D&D 4th edition <coughs> game and I wanted to be you know a servant of the Raven Queen but there wasn't er- anything about the Raven Queen out yet really right <laughs> so I got to make up I had so much fun I rated I wrote like pages of shit and sent it to Stu it all ended up being wrong eventually because D&D wrote something <laughs> that wasn't as cool as mine but um, it was really fun like because you had a death worshiper that was all about Escorting them onto the FL like a Valkyrie, it was a right. good thing. Yeah. It was Meanwhile, D and D was like, no, no, Raven Queen is death incarnate. Right. right. So it was like, yeah, I really had fun with that cool concept. That's why I, I like Stu's fantasy uh, Savage Worlds game. Mm-hmm. 
and I got to make up my own code of honor and my own yeah. god and everything. My, right. my paladin of generic. Mm-hmm. That's think, right. Yeah, <laughs> generic. What was what was his uh, what was his code? Uh, just don't do bad shit, basically. No, it was like to like, do what, like, to do what must be done and uh, uh, do do good in all things, uh, help the helpless, protect the weak. <laughs> something else. Yeah. Other, something basically, else. it was the Et most cetera. generic. Yeah, you mean generic. be a good person. <laughs> kind uh, of, yeah. Sorry, I couldn't wait till I started getting like healing magic, and I could walk up to somebody. Let me heal you of a moderate amount of damage. <laughs> <laughs> Let me cure those serious wounds. <laughs> Um, I think for a region, if the peop- if I absolutely agree with Hive Mind, thank you, Hive Mind. <coughs> like you shouldn't dictate to the players how their characters would act or how their cultures would act. For a region, I think that the information dump is really important, but I think it's important how you do it as well. Like you shouldn't just sit there and be like in this town, blah blah blah, and tell them everything. I think that you should disseminate. Like you you want to watch a movie, you don't want someone to. Have a whole scrolling back history fading into the stars for the entire movie. But if there are things that are relevant in that culture to right. the relevant to the game, right? Then you should let them know, right? You but know. you can do it creatively. You can do it through, hey, you know, there's a a herald who sees them entering the city and decides to take them on a <coughs> tour. And during that, they can interact and do things. They're not just sitting there listening to the DM narrate. Oh no no no! I've done a pregame. I'm like, everybody, here is your culture. <laughs> Nine pages of stuff they need to know about the horse clan that they're from. And people get through about two paragraphs and go, fuck you. <laughs> it's rightfully they should. Right. Even though I spent a lot of time thinking about it and how cool it is, it does, uh, even pregame, if that's the character they want, you come up with the culture for them and drop it in their lap. You need to be very careful about how much you give them. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than in-game. So I, I, and I, it's a problem of mine because I love to prep. Right, I think we're. I think maybe we're looking at it two different ways. Like you're mm-hmm. looking at it more from a, their the region that the characters are from, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at it more as they enter new phases of the game. Sure, you if you're if they're entering true. a new area, they're not going to know shit about that region's right. culture. They need to fa- find it out in game. Right, but if it's if it's backstory where they're from, right. I think there's a certain amount you should give them. So it, Ahead of time. it all depends on what 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 region we're talking about there, yeah. Michael. Look at us. Thanks for not, not being more specific in your one-sentence email. <laughs> right. But thanks for the one-sentence email. We appreciate it. <clears throat> it's my turn, huh? E.T. Yeah. Oh, shit, he's from Fargo. Oh. Hello you got to do the accent. But it, oh, you know, it's like they're going crazy up by the lake there, you know. <laughs> oh, I'll do the cot check. Oh, oh. God. Because Kimmy's great at accents. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it's Wisconsin. Hello it's from Fargo. Fargo, North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> Fanboy Peter. <laughs> Do it again, Stark. Try it. It's uh, let's see here. It's uh, it's uh, it's they're going crazy down by we the lake there. You you gotta you gotta sort of related questions. I yeah, can't do it. yeah, yeah. That's cool. That's better. They go to. It just sounds like Siri. Yeah. All right. Questions I've come up with over the course of the past few months. Okay, I'm just going to read this. Sorry. All right. Thank you, guys. I have a couple of systems-related questions I've come up with over the course of the past months of listening to your show. I've only listened since February and haven't really listened to your entire backlog, so if these are repeats, I apologize. First question. I recall someone saying that they didn't like hit points. Oh, someone? (laughs) That would be the loudest guy. The guy whose show this is. It didn't make sense. (laughs) Stu Venable. (laughs) What? That you were just beating the tar out of each other until one of you collapsed. Or that hit points purely represented glancing blows until you knocked somebody out. 
I feel that hit points warrant further attention, as oh, I feel... Shit. Damn it. The damage system of an RPG is an effect not just on the combat, but on the setting and the system itself. As life and death have some of the biggest impacts on the story, the thickness of the barrier between the two has an impact on the way people think and interact. If I fall downstairs in one system and setting, it might be hilarious. And in another, it might be devastating. You know what? It's true. If you fall downstairs in GURPS, you're fucked. You're dead. You're dead. <laughs> you could actually die. Sure. Do you think two-stage hit point systems resolve this, or does it need to be something deeper? By two-stage hit point system, I mean, do you have to either damage their defenses, i.e. armor shield, enough, or cause them enough physical exhaustion that they cannot properly parry dodge attacks, and they finally take more devastating damage? Some examples of this, I think, show diverse approaches. Savage Worlds, with the Shaken system. This feels a lot like Halo's rechargeable shield, which is kind of fun. Right. Okay, so you fall downstairs in Savage Worlds. And you're shaken. You're shaken. Yeah. You, you can sit there on the bottom, ragging your head, and you go, wow. No, what you do is you reach for a rule book. And you remember how the shaken <laughs> Shaken rules right. work. Okay. <laughs> At least that's what I do. Okay. The one right. ring, where you have endurance points based on your gear, but lose enough of these in a single attack to can pierce your armor and do damage to you. Two wounds is enough to get you very dead on many occasions. Right, so you fall downstairs in the ring, one ring. You damage all your armor at the very bottom. You're like, your, your armor is all fucked up, and you have to go to the armor and to get it repaired. Well, it's, falls because, on you. it's because <laughs> falling down the stairs is considered one attack by the stairs. Right. That it does enough damage to your, your uh, endurance points. That right. When you hit the bottom, you take a wound. Mm-hmm. Okay. My personal favorite, get your finger on the booing button... Star Wars 2D Revised. D20. <laughs> oh, yeah, D20. It's Halloween, sorry. <laughs> An unpopular choice, but from years of running it, I appreciate the cinematic way they treat it. It's standard D&D-style hit points, except you have two pools, vitality points and wound points. Wound points never go up, even at level 20. They're always equal to your constitution. Vitality points go up at every level, and they represent how much you can, uh, how much you can dodge and avoid getting hit. Confirm crits don't do any extra damage. Instead, damage will go straight to your wounds, <clears throat> making the potential for someone to end combat at surprising speed. So if you fall down the stairs <laughs> in in Star Wars D20... If the stairs crit their roll, right. you, fall down you the stairs, die on stair take, 2. You're going to take vitality points. <laughs> you're not probably not going to get wounded too badly falling downstairs. You might take if you if, if you if they're long enough stairs, it might eat through all of your vitality and start doing some wounds to you. Mm-hmm. But if you get wounded, it's it's a serious thing mm-hmm. rather than vitality, which okay. is like you know. The other the other thing that he didn't mention is in some ways and I, all the savage worlds people hate when I say this. <laughs> Benny's are almost an analogy to another pool of hit points. Yeah. Sure. Or they can be. Well, Benny's, Benny's can be used many different ways. One of the uses is that it can be a, a hit point pool. or To, a, to soak and yeah. mm-hmm. to get rid of shaking and all that kind of stuff. But that eats through your pile. Yeah. Right? And so that is sort of like, part, kind of part, like if you go back to the D&D idea of your hit points being the amount of damage you can take plus a bunch of other stuff. Benny's are kind of like that other stuff. Right. right. You fall down the stairs, you're shaken, there's a monster at the very bottom, you spend a Benny and you're not shaken anymore, and you can combat it. Right. Or, like, you hit four or five of the stairs, and you spend a Benny on each one, but you run out of Bennies when you hit the bottom. There yeah. you go. 
and then the monsters monster there and you're you screwed. Uh, yeah, I actually like right. for for hit points. The, the the thing I've liked the most was uh, <laughs> Deadlands, original Deadlands before Savage Worlds. You had wind, which was that that physical Boy, do we. Of, of endurance mm-hmm. of I'm tired now, and certain things would cost you wind, and if you were winded, you were just that you were winded. You would take more damage, and then. Damage, you know, gets divided by size, and there's hit location, and it affects the way your rolls work out. And right, but no system is ever going to get it perfect. No, because I agree. You can't. You can't. I don't think you can take take wounding somebody and turn it into a mechanic in a game. Because not and make it a playable game. Right. Uh-uh. Right. I agree with that. I think the only way you could do it is. Uh, Give you the player sticks and be like, all right, go whale on each other. Mm-hmm. Whoever falls down first loses the combat. Yeah. So you want to make it a LARP, of course. No, because a LARP would be padded weapons and there's still hit points or kidding. hit locations and things like that. I'm talking about actually just go beat, beat the, the crap out of the each closest, other. Right. The closest you're going to get is GURPS, where they actually literally legitimately went out in the backyard and beat each other with sticks and then came back and went, okay. With a pencil. Man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> sure, sure does this much damage. <laughs> I got blood in my eyes. I can't see. <laughs> yep. Second question. My only expo- exposure to GURPS has been 3rd edition. Is GURPS 4 significantly better than GURPS 3? I'd be willing to feed the old version to the wood chipper. I just don't know the difference between the two. Thanks for putting this podcast together. It's excellent. Sincerely, uh, go ahead and finish and E.T. P.S. The LARP folks have had some great insight on their guest appearances in the show. Make sure to be nice and invite them back. Yeah, I, I love that he's from back. Fargo and has a wood chipper reference. <clears throat> um... The, the main difference between 3rd uh, and 4th edition GURPS has to do with uh, point costs of stuff. <coughs> if you're familiar with 3rd edition, you may remember that physical skills and mental skills have two different tables when it comes to determining um, uh, skill-level point costs. That is unified into one table in 4th edition. Uh, there's also a sliding scale cost for attributes. Uh, attributes, as you go up, they cost more. Uh, in 3rd edition. In 4th edition, everything has a set cost. Dexterity and intelligence are 20 points per level. Strength and health are 10 points per level. And it that never changes. It stays the same. I mean, obviously, most of your skills are going to be based on either intelligence or dex, which is why they cost twice as much. And what was the benefit of that change? Uh, it's just easier. It's just easier bookkeeping. It's easier to make characters. Because there, there was a table, and you had like uh, uh, 15 in a stat would cost 100 points. Whereas, like, uh, it would cost 10 points for an 11. T- 10 is free, right? For your mm-hmm. stat. 11 was, like, 10 points. 12 was 20 points. 13 was 45 points. 14 was 60 points. I mean, it went up exponentially, but... Almost, yeah. But, but would you argue that 4th edition is a little more streamlined and easier to play than 3rd? Um... Mm, a little. Uh, there's a, there's some change to range weapons. Uh, they change the way aiming works. Uh, so it seems like minor tweaks. They, they, so third is not broken. No, no, not at all. A third is a very, very playable game. Uh, the, other, the other big change is they got rid of passive defense. Um, you used to have... Uh, armor had two kinds of defense. They had damage reduction, which is um, how much damage the armor can absorb. 
and then passive defense, which actually adds to your defense rolls. It was sort of like glancing blows, like if you have a sword and you're wearing plate mail, there's a chance that when I take a swing at you, it will just glance off the armor, and you won't take the absorption of the blade. It's called passive defense, and what you would do is you would take your, let's say your move, which let's say is six, you'd add the passive defense of your armor. Let's say you're wearing plate mail, it might be a three or a four, I don't remember what it is anymore. So you're going to have like a nine or ten that you can roll roll that or less to for that blow to gl- have glanced off. It seems I, to me it's not it, it's not a necessary the game the, the game doesn't lose a lot of realism getting rid of that. It seems to me just to clarify and I might be wrong somebody Mook might correct me. I think it's on his page. He has a maybe a page or two page PDF of the changes and they're just minor tweaks really. Because yeah. 3 is still intimately playable. It, it's not broken. Uh, all they've done is sort of streamlined a couple of things and made it a little simpler and less bookkeeping. Uh, it's yeah. it's not... They haven't made anything major changes to the game. So if you have 3rd no. edition you have a bunch of those books, there's no really reason to throw them out. No, not at all. Uh, I mean, the 4th edition core books, I think they're excellent books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, yeah, there are some changes, but... Uh, but if you have third edition, should he go out and invest another, what, 100 bucks for the core books for fourth? Yeah, if you're if it's if it's serving you well, keep using it. And, and the thing is, you can use supplements from third edition for fourth edition, and you can probably use supplements from fourth edition for third edition. That's a very minor, good point. Minor tweaks to, to, to change it. Not a big deal. Is it me now? Yeah. I'll read again if you want. Go ahead. Uh, Xenocon That's after right, you got the two support from useless, useless Trivia Man. I did, I had really, two really short ones, so I'll read a fucking page from Useless Trivia Man. Alright. Dear Jappy Hacks. That's a new one. Is that racist? I think it might be. A Xenocon after... Oh, God, I can't... Gotta stop belching on the microphone. It's like blowing back and... It's awful. Imagine what it's doing to the diaphragm in the microphone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Slowly eating it away. The Xenocon after Ops Report. I arrived Friday early so I could do the initial setup of the Grindhouse Arena. It takes about an hour to set up the board and get the walls glued into place. That's that spectacular thing right. he's got. Amazing. I was going to say, I was going to wait for him to finish, but I think it's a, he's posted on our, our forums and stuff. He set up like sort of this big tower yeah. with things coming out. and you could. It's worth everybody going and checking out. Just look up... Um, mm post from Useless Trivia Man and you can see pictures of this tower. It's I remember when he, when he was awesome. first building it. Yeah. It's got like a, ro- a rotating yeah. Yeah, he's got circles. Like rings that rotate yeah. and it's like basically like an arena ga- uh, like a It's a gladiatorial bit. Comment. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. And it's, it's, it's like King of the Mountain. You yeah. have to like climb yeah. up and it's, get to the top yeah. of the tower. Literally. I arrived Friday early so I could do the initial setup of the Grindhouse Arena. It takes about an hour to set up the board and get the walls glued into place, and I don't like to have to try and get that accomplished hurriedly on Saturday morning before the game kicks off. Plus, it gives people something to ogle all evening on Friday, and it generates interest slash gives them something to look forward to on Saturday. Anyway, while I was setting up, I was very pleasantly surprised to have a familiar face wander over to check out this thing I was assembling. He sat down and started chatting with me while I worked. I gotta say that Frank Menzer seems like a pretty damn cool guy. Frank Menzer, for those of you who don't know, was uh, intimate uh, in the TSR in the in the big boom years and got sort of mistreated. Well, when TSR left, went through all that stuff. With Guy, after Guy Gax left, he left. Went on to uh, was it New Infinity? I can't. If, was uh, guy, he, he, company afterwards? He did start a company and then got sued by TS. It's a whole thing. Yeah. But yes, left he, that, bailed on the gaming industry entirely. 
And then... Uh, was a folk musician, I think. Was a folk oh. musician, too. So we, I dig that. And then, like, was out, out for 10, 15 years and just recently got back into oh, the really? gaming. Yeah, with uh, a couple other guys at like, Eldritch Enterprises, the company now. I haven't read anything new that they put out, but some big names put it together, so I might check out their games. Uh, this totally made my weekend. I wrapped that up and then set up my Friday night game. I ran a Dread RPG scenario of my own creation, and I was a bit nervous. The only time I'd ever run Dread, or any horror game for that matter, was when I playtested this a month ago. It went beautifully. The players were great, the game was a hit, and apparently other tables were curious about why the goofballs playing Jenga and wearing Lays, it was a tropical island vacation scenario, were laughing so loud and having so much fun. Because every, every horror scenario I play in, I know we, we want to laugh a lot. They're a hoot. <laughs> Happy Jacks. I only killed two players, but I'll chalk that up to some Jenga ninja skills among my players. It was actually impressive. Saturday, I spent the entire day, 12 hours, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m., running the Grindhouse Arena again. Dude, good for you. Like That's awesome. That, there's no sarcasm in that. That is fucking amazing. You know, and he set it up early so people can come on Ugula like, what the right. fuck is that? I want to sign up for this. I try to add something every year to change things up a bit, and this time it was a mo- it was monstrous gladiator PCs. I had a sprinkling of goblins, gnolls, lizard men, and hobgoblins in the mix, and they were popular. I think only one or two of them didn't get played. I'll add more next time. In 12 hours of game, we went through 54 rounds of combat. <laughs> 12 hours made it through 54 rounds. Jesus. That's crazy. Uh, well, how many people are in, the, in each round? 35 gladiators. Oh, is how many they went through. So I, I don't know how many players that was at any given time. I, and I don't remember what, what system he's running under. Is it four years? Or it's Pathfinder or is it his own thing? Oh, anyway. I, it, it's one, it's, either, it's Pathfinder 4E or, or 3.5. I can't remember. Uh, it was a good day, but a long one. I bailed so I could get some sleep. 12 hours, 54 rounds of combat, and 35 PCs. That's crazy. Sunday morning, I ran the sequel to last year's Disney Princesses slash Charlie's Angels mashup, Walt's Angels 2 Inglorious Bitches. Nice! That was another success, and I got the exact responses from my players that I wanted to get. That's worthy of Kimmy, actually. Inglorious Bitches. (laughs) Absolutely. The big reveal at the end was my very well-received and totally sets up the third... The big, the big reveal at the end was very well received and totally sets up the third and final act of the trilogy for next year. Sorry, I don't want to give spoiler details on my events because I'm running them all again at GameCon. Xenocon 3 was the biggest yet. We broke a, the 150 attendee mark, and I looked up from my table several times throughout the course of the weekend to happily see a room full of gamers. I love this friggin' hobby, and I'm proud to be a part of this scene. And I have you douchebags to thank for it. Yeah. Woohoo! In all seriousness, Happy Jacks has helped me become a better, more considerate, and well-rounded GM. That That's awesome. Completely accidental. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Not our intention at no. all. <laughs> this podcast also helped me to overcome my fears and self-doubts and actually run a convention game. And thanks to your great GMing advice, I know I'm running good games. So I raise my glass to you, you magnificent bastards. Thanks for doing what you do. <laughs> with reckless abandon, useless trivia man. I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean we're glib about it because we don't take compliments well. But no. it, it is nice to know that people are listening and taking notes. I mean, really, this started because Stu had the studio and wanted to talk about gaming. Yep. And, <laughs> right. That's and, exactly and there was it. nobody out there jamming except him. He felt like a voice crying in the wilderness. Well, and he's changed that slowly you know, but surely. Email from Andrew from Yorkshire. 
Now then. They always start it with now then. <laughs> now then. Those guys. That's because it's, uh, he wants the, the, you know, English. I was interested to hear you <laughs> say about the UK caravan culture. This is last week. Yeah. I'm probably unique in the UK occupying two niches, caravanning and role I think it's niches. Niches. <laughs> no. Oh. Oh. Niche. Don't Niche. do it in French. Sorry. Sorry. You're going to piss off you the gotta, English. you got to say it angrily. <laughs> Niche. But already the furries hate me, so I, the French people can hate me too. <laughs> That's fine. Caravanning and role-playing. Certainly I haven't met any role-players while I've been away in the caravan. What the fuck is a caravan? It's like a, it's like a camping trailer. Yeah. It's an RV. It's have you not, seen? Have you seen? Uh, have you seen Snatch the movie? Oh no! Uh, wait, was it about, Snatch? How about Top yeah, Gear? It's Snatch when he when he has got to get the caravan for the the gypsy guy. No, in Top Gear they got like oh, RVs or the, trailers or whatever. The yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got to find the caravan for the Pikes. Yeah. And, <laughs> and then Bricktop burns <laughs> burns right. the guy's mom in one. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's a caravan. It's like a it's like a trailer. Okay, all right. One good one good thing about being in a caravan. It's one of the few places where my teenage kids are up for playing board games. Oh. <laughs> uh, do you have any thoughts about things that make games go slow and how to speed them up? I'm currently playing in one game and refereeing another, mostly different players in the two games. Both seem to be going glacially slow. At the end of the session, when you look at what's been achieved the short answer is not very much really cheers Andrew from Yorkshire home of two national parks two how big are which which is which is an answer to what we were saying if there's two of them in one place like that not very 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 very. (laughs) in answer to to your second point sorry Andrew we're from America (laughs) America America our national parks take up large portion of entire states I think we have national parks the size of England we probably do um, oh, in answer to your second question, it's on you, as the GM, to look around and as people are kibitzing or going off and getting coffee, you say, hey, all right, so what do you do? You're here. You have to remind them and kind of drive them forward. It's kind of like being a boss at work sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> you actually have to go out onto the floor occasionally and go, hey, what the fuck are you standing around for? Right. Let's get to work. Come on. These things aren't going to drill themselves. So you have to, you so know. So to speak. Yeah. The. I used to get into this like weird funk when I was playing the the Gerbs game in college, and it would be like I'm waiting for the players to do something, and the players are waiting for me to do something. Uh huh. You know what I'm talking about? I, I totally do. And and we would sit there, and I'm, and like they're traveling, and it, and it, and it's like, okay, you travel the first day. What do you guys want to do? And they're like, I don't know. What do you want? And to those do? weird things always happen at twenty past the hour, right? right of course. Oh yeah. <laughs> and. and and it would, it would just go back and forth, and and it was like next thing you know, forty five minutes have gone by, absolutely, and we've spent two weeks traveling from town A to town B. Yeah, and and, and, and they're waiting and, for you to throw a plot hook, and, and you're waiting for them to pick one up. And, and a lot of players aren't going to stop and say to the GM, "Dude, what the fuck? <laughs> no. Let's just fast forward to the part where something interesting happens." Right. right, and that's what you need to do. You as the GM need to always keep in mind that. Like watching a movie where some guy gets up in the morning, goes and brushes his teeth, has his morning constitutional, takes a shower, comes out, makes himself breakfast. Next thing you know, he's in his car, and an hour of a film has passed and nothing's happened. No one's going to watch that shit. Right. You have to fast forward. You have to keep in mind 
Where is the interesting stuff going to happen? Let's get to it as quickly as possible. You bring up the point, though, too. And of don't no, let it drag. You bring up the point, though, too, of if your players are waiting for you to throw them a plot hook, throw them a fucking throw them plot, yeah. plot, <laughs> plot <laughs> hook. Right, yeah. Well, yeah. In, that, in that situation of the your two weeks of traveling, I would say... All right, you guys have two weeks. What do you want to get done in that two weeks? Yeah. And if nobody wants to do anything, all right, so you get to town. Right. Here's what happens next. Yeah. But I, actually, I would say, Andrew, you're asking yourself the wrong question at the end of the game. You shouldn't say, what did we get accomplished? You should say, did we all have a good time? Yes. And yeah. if the answer is yes, it doesn't matter what you got accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, in uh, Huntley's game, the Pathfinder game, we usually get... Th- we play for about six to seven hours at a time, mm-hmm. and we get maybe a good solid hour and a half of gaming it. Yeah. Right. The rest of it is just kibitzing, bullshitting, because drinking. we haven't seen each other in such a long time. How many chests get pooped on during that? <laughs> oh. <laughs> if you really want a, a harsh way to cure this, run a con game sometime. Yeah, yeah. we have a right. four-hour deadline to get a bunch of shit done, and yeah. you'll you will it will change your GMing for the, for the be- probably for the better. It's like jam boot camp. Yeah, yeah. You're like, shit needs to happen and we need to get going because I've only got an hour and a half left to resolve this. So <laughs> let's go. And that's actually kind of the way you should approach every game. You're like, come on, man. Uh, we're not going to meet again for another three months. <laughs> let's resolve something. So, yeah. um, If they're not going to the plot points, bring the plot points to them. Right. And maybe sometimes you've got to step up like the boss and go, hey, why are you guys standing around? Everybody get back in here. Here's a combat's going to happen soon. Yeah. <laughs> People right. are like, you know, talking on their phones. Or going, okay, suddenly, as you're standing in the, sitting in the tavern, you're all attacked. I have no problem with that. No, throw, no. throw a grenade at him. Yeah. My favorite uh, email from Dan. From Dan's email. Salutation, Stu, and the douche troop. What's, that should be a cartoon. It's like the goof troop, but douche troop. Why do I get the monkey? Uh, <laughs> 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 oh, oh, I get the cavalry charge. I think the question is more... Why wouldn't you get yeah. the monkey stork? <laughs> See, much better. That does actually make sense troop. for douche troop. <laughs> it's the douche troop. That's what I was waiting. Instead, I got the... Do- anyway, first, I want to thank you for reading my email on Session 12, Episode 14. I was the one asking for help switching from Fate to GURPS for my I game. I read that as Fatal to GURPS, and I was just like... <laughs> that was set in Victorian <laughs> area. <laughs> was set in a Victorian area traveling freak show. In short, my players love the new GURB system. It's been far easier for me as a GM. While Fate seemed more user-friendly by being lighter on the rules, it also relies on everyone at the table being invested in the yep. mechanics. My players were too immersed in the action to think in terms of aspects and Fate points, and so was I, to be honest. However, this immersion led to a lot of vivid player actions, like shooting guys in the face or trying to wrest weapons from their hands without any thought of game mechanics. With Fate, I was left scrambling to determine how best to pull these off in terms of the rules. In GURPS, I have to concentrate on modifiers to consult. Uh, in GURPS, I have... Oh, concrete. I'm sorry. I said that wrong. In GURPS, I have concrete modifiers to consult. And there's also never any reason for the players to have to break immersion and see the crunch. They just roll three dice six and understand, for example, that call shots are more difficult and have a bigger payoff. In short, we've found our ideal game system. It's GURPS. Although I love Phase Awesome, Phase Trio, I'm stealing it all for my future character creations. So, Stu, you want to react to the fact that... uh, No, that's awesome. Second, I wanted to (laughs) contribute to a listener... Is someone at the door? I think so. 
Yeah. Check your door. Oh, okay. Second, I wanted to contribute to a listener email last week about a massive list of skills in GURPS from the perspective of a recent system convert. Mooks, how to be a GURPS GM, which I was able to purchase easily, Stu, email Steve Jackson's tech support, maybe, does offer a list of skills that is virtually every PC should have, page 21 to 22. Run through it for every character. You shouldn't have anyone who's incompetent. Uh come game time. There's also a table showing the difference between all unarmed combat skills, know the difference between brawling and wrestling, etc. Page 45. Two. I'm a huge fan of talents. Page 89 in the groups. Is this Mook? Did no, Mook write a result no. of his own? Okay. <laughs> no. Um, no. He wouldn't do that. He's too cool. Uh, basically, spending points on an advantage gives immediate boost to the set of connected skills. Example. Take one level of, art, of Artificer, simultaneously boost your skills in Carpentry, Engineer, Mechanic, Smith, and so on. These may help you avoid finding yourself lacking a skill you thought you had. Although the rules on skill defaults help here, too. Yes, they do. Be good at one gun skill, you're only slightly worse with other guns. Yep. Three, depending on the game, consider wildcard skills, page 175. The science skill, for example, could replace more specific skills like chemistry or metallurgy. This is much less simulationist, but depending upon your game's flavor, it could help streamline things even more than talents. Lastly, on the note of the bestiary, 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 or bestiary, whatever. Uh, I think it's important to treat any potential groups monster as a character, then build accordingly. Here's stats are key, not points. And he has an exclamation point, so maybe it's worth saying again. Here, stats are key, not points. Mm-hmm. I made a lone zombie encounter for my party at 100 point characters by starting with a zombie template Seagirps Horror. Then I made sure it had plenty of hit points, so it would be tough to kill. By the end of it, though, the thing had so many non-combat disads, characteristics of zombies, mindless, stinky, etc., that it was a negative 130-point character. But because of how the combat stats work out, it will be a decent fight. Right. That's why I don't... That's exactly why I don't like the approach of trying to build characters for your bad guys. Because... You, you can do that, but it's an enormous amount of work. And maybe that's why there's not a bestiary. So if I were to no, look at zombies, I'm like, it's a negative can, 330. See, the, the, the old third edition bestiary, I think I have a copy of it somewhere, too. It didn't have any point levels in it. It just gave you, like, some. here's a bunch of animals, and here's, like, some dragons and some other monsters and stuff. Go at it. Try to kill them. Yeah. We don't know if we're going to be able to or not, because we don't have point values for any of them. Fuck it. Fuck it. Come up with what the thing needs to be. Let the party figure out how to get rid of it. Okay. And assign, so about a, assign just a point value? Yeah. So, well, right. no, not, not a point value. Yeah. But, but I'm agreeing with what he's saying. Come up with the stats that thing is going to have. Don't fucking worry about point values. Don't even keep track of them. Fair enough. And, and like, if you come up with zombies, <laughs> you just know, okay, zombies don't have to breathe, so that's an advantage. Doesn't breathe. Right. Yeah. Don't don't worry about that stuff. It's a magical creature, so that. it's going to break the laws of physics. And just don't worry about all that stuff, because you, you could spend days trying to figure out all the disadvantages a zombie's going to have. <laughs> I have. Odious personal habit. Bad smell. I mean, right. there's there's tons of them. And suddenly now there's a big point pool, because they have all these disads that they can now... Yeah. Mm. Not worth it. All right. No. As I continue shamelessly pimping his work, Mooks, 
How to be a GURPS GM covers this approach to determining combat balance as well. Page okay. 27 to 29. Cheers and happy gaming, Dan. P.S. I want to send out a big fuck you to everyone over the last 10 years or so who gave me the impression that GURPS was too hard <laughs> or somehow a bad system. Credit ultimately goes to Stu and the MOOC <laughs> for finally getting me to take the plunge. I know this email is getting long, but... I'm hoping. <laughs> I don't know what. We're just hitting every button that's there, but I'm. I'm. I'm hold on. I'm almost done with the email. Then you can hit every button. Right. I know this email is getting long, but I'm hoping I can play a small part in converting others to a system that seems to be t- so unfairly maligned in the RPG community. Gerps saved my game. <laughs> Gerps saved my game, and it can work for you too. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> Where's the cavalry charge there? Oh, you want that too? All right. <laughs> so that's it. Yeah. Love that funk. <laughs> right. Oh, right. here. That was epic, that Mac Dick. <clears throat> All right. Gaming Nightmare from James in Michigan. Hi, hippie jerks. <laughs> I'm James from Michigan. Corrine T shit something on the forum. Just read you the sentence a little bit further this and it's right there. Fine. It literally it two <laughs> words later tells you how to pronounce it. Corin T Shava. No, it doesn't help. Corin T Shava. It's the Shazva? The same Corin thing with hyphens in it. This doesn't make it it absolutely does. When, you're hyphen, when there's a, when there's a hyphen in a pronunciation, you pronounce each thing separately. Is it yeah. Corin or Corin? Tishasva. Is it Corin or Corin? Tisha- it's Corin. Okay. Corin Tishasva. 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 Okay. That's Klingon. So Stu is now the Stu is the on the forums. Show two. Okay. I just finished the entirety of the podcast, listening in between the old other podcasts I listened to. I have a gaming horror story for you guys. It's, it's a humor story. <laughs> it's it doesn't humor. say horror. Gaming humor. Humor story, sorry. Humor story. Uh, it's from Those things are not mutually exclusive, though. No, they're not. It does look good two hours <laughs> together if you really look at it. Yeah, no, if you're reading quick quickly, read. it's sort of horror. humor Fear. for you guys. It's from the first time I ever played D&D. My friend had just joined our high school D&D club and brought the three books D&D set. He got me and one of my friends together for an all-night introduction to D&D. I played the stereotypical dwarven fighter, and my friend was rolling up the sarcastic human bard. You know what? I give him kudos, because nobody plays the bard. I like the sarcastic human bard. It's not stereotypical at all. Nobody plays No, I know, but I was just thinking that you're a sarcastic human bard. But anyway. <laughs> right? <laughs> now our friend sure enough. Yeah. Now our friend who is running the game is more into modern style stories, so we got coerced into working at the ye old timely mafia in this town. We did a basic hit on a guy and at one point did a medieval style drive by shooting from horseback <laughs> with repeating crossbows. <laughs> That's awesome! <laughs> Some Van Helsing shit right there. Yeah. That is. That's awesome. <laughs> Our last mission for the night, the parting of the part of the night where you were too tired to think straight, and we blew up a civil building that was standing against the interests of the organization. We were told we could do any way we wanted as long as the building came down. We didn't want to kill anyone if we could help it, so we waited for everyone to go home for the night. Everyone except one guy. One large man sat on the floor, ground floor simply meditating. 
When the DM made it obvious that this bandit had no intention of leaving, we asked how tough he looked. The DM replied, the guy looks like he could take care of himself in an explosion. And well, not well, well, what does that well, mean? Well, well, that guy <laughs> looks, looks like, like he, he could take, take himself, himself an explosion. How the fuck do you establish that? That somebody could handle... You could probably blow that guy up and he wouldn't be he wouldn't play. I don't... I don't I, I, he's, he's made like of juggernaut. <laughs> he's like the kingpin. Comic book references. He's there a perfect for, sphere. Yeah. <laughs> that guy looks like he could take himself an explosion. And nodded sagely. He's wearing a suit made of Nerf. It's going to yeah. absorb all the impact. He's a firebender meditating. Sorry. Anyway. There you go. <laughs> with our minds set, set at ease with about oh, the wait. whole... And nodded Without. sagely. Yes. yes. <laughs> he looks I like he that. could take himself an explosion. <laughs> that guy oh, could take yeah. it. Yes, nod, nod. Tug on the chin whiskers. Uh, with our minds set at ease about the whole issue, we covertly set up the explosives around the building and blew it up. The well, man, the, the man shrugged himself up. out of the rubble as if someone had simply thrown a heavy blanket over him. We never revisited this game, but to this day <laughs> I keep the town map he had drawn up for us at any time uh, the constitution of someone is called into question uh, the answer for our whole group and, uh, of friends is that, that guy, guy looks, looks like, like he, he can take, take himself, himself an explosion, explosion. P.S. Obligatory I have a gaming horror story that I'll tell you another time but I don't want to make this email any longer than it already was people That's apologize for long emails those gaming group inside jokes yeah you know that one time this one thing happened you know like Taking explosion or wandering damage or two in that days one guy's mouth. or two days. <laughs> what, what, what's, Good the, what's the one? That, it's it's a it's a buckle gum. It's a yeah. It's the one that Jib and Genie use all the time. That from one of the bullywug. Yeah, bully- it's a bullywug, Pat. That that monster's in in the new uh, monster it is. manual. It, it's yeah. in the new monster manual. It's a bullywug, Pat. Yep. Uh, in fact, that's in here somewhere. <laughs> I just saw uh, it. It's right here. Oh, it's underneath by the, the beer. Uh, yeah. Don't make me move the beer to get it. Yeah, that's no, all right. Okay. Uh, hour uh, six, 108. That's what? Like, that's like 90. We're close to two. Hour. You have to do math. To two. Right. 12 minutes short of two. I don't math. All right. All you got to do is add 12 to get to <laughs> two hours. <laughs> Come on. Again. God damn it. Jesus like Christ. Two hours minus 12 minutes. That's like 120 <laughs> minus 12. Do it, Tyler. Figure it out. We're at, at 109 minutes now. Which is 11 minutes shy of two hours. But it's, it's an hour and how many minutes? Huh? <laughs> an hour and how many minutes? Yeah. If we're 11 minutes shy, it's 49. <laughs> it's 49 hours? <laughs> an hour and 49, 49 minutes. minutes. Oh! Subtract 60 from 109. <laughs> uh, um, My head yeah, I've, I've ridden a horse. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to call it. Of course. Uh, so n- next week, uh, I think we'll be back next week. <laughs> no, the camp trip you're next your, week. Your, your I'm on my. Hey, I'm on a camp trip next week. I think so. We may not be doing a show. If we do it, I might record it during the week earlier. Or yeah. Something. So thank you for joining us for season. Oh wait. No, no, it's caravanning. Oh, I'm gonna be caravanning. caravanning. You are. You're gonna be caravanning. We're gonna be camping. We're oh. gonna be like intense. Intense. Oh, yeah. Okay. You are. You're always intense, whether you're caravanning or not. No. Zachary's you're a serious kind of guy. Sh- Zachary's gonna get to shoot a bow and and a BB gun. Cub Scouts. How about if you shoot a BB gun with a bow? You could do that. (laughs) Or the other way around, too. That that would be weird. We're listeners!
Jackson. Happy Jackson. Thank you for joining us for Season 12, Episode 18 of Happy Jackson RPG Podcast. My name is Stu. This is Tyler. This is Stark. And I'm still Kimmy. And we'll see you next week. Well, not next week. The week after. Yeah. Soon. Uh, and if it's next week, it won't be live. Is it? Two it won't be days. Live. Not really. Two, two weeks. Two weeks. Two weeks. We should just record Maybe. the next episode right now. Right. Yeah, it's only 10.30. Yeah, that'd be quality. All right. What's that military time? <laughs> Uh, 2200, 2230, yeah. yeah. Just add 12! <laughs> Just add 12! Thank you for joining us, and we'll leave you with the song. Dragons, it all has find a fatal savage lands. Demon lands will be usurping. Though we could do with less burping. Jack's podcast will be Tuesday's Those of good nature with light in their hearts Find goodness in each of life's various parts They see each blessing as a bountiful bowl A half glass of water they see as half I say these folks need a stick in the eye Beat them in the head till they break down and cry Tell me not to be cheery to you, I say this Me life is a glass that is half full of piss Is a glass that is half full of piss. Me wife, she lives this fact I despise. Each night I pray for her deserved demise. Such a shrew and a magpie that I shall not miss. Me life is a glass that is half full of piss. Insisted I give up strong drink There is no worse fate for a boggart, I think I shall long for my dear ale Soft foamy kiss Me life is a glass that is half full of piss My best friend the brewer Died in his home He was brewing a hog's head When he fell in the foam We tried to drink it But he fouled up the grist Me life is a glass that is half full of piss
The preceding program has been a presentation of the Angry Folk Media Empire. Bum, 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 bum.